Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, welcome. So glad to see you've returned to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got an interesting selection for you. Many times you've come in here and I've uh, shown you an item that correlates to a movie or a TV show or maybe even a book or short story, but this is one of those occasions where we've got a curiosity that is of the audio kind. Now, this musical selection is one that, if you play it backwards, you might not hear the siren song of Satan, but you may hear the horror, terror, and scream of those who died to make this album in the haunted Hollywood mansion. For this is the ill-fated album from the band Dream Widow, which was the subject of the Foo Fighters movie Studio 666. So let's pull out the phonograph and take a listen to Dream Widow. So if you haven't heard the episode we did on the Foo Fighters movie Studio 666, I encourage you to go check it out because for my money, it got a lot of grief from some critics, but I think fans can all agree that it was a fun horror comedy film. I just, uh, I enjoyed this movie. It's probably one of the most fun horror movies I've seen this year, and uh, we haven't had a lot of fun horror movie so it was really kind of a, a breath of fresh air to see the Foo Fighters in the long history of rock bands and music acts doing movies. Kiss did it, uh, the Beatles did it, Michael Jackson did it, hell even the Spice Girls did it. Uh, so the Foo Fighters in well quasi good company uh, with some of the some of the greats of rock and roll and and music and pop to to do a movie. And what I liked about this, because this was a movie that it was about the guys, it was about music, it wasn't necessarily about their music, and the whole crux of this is that the Foo Fighters are celebrating their 10th album, and they're going to a haunted studio in Hollywood, or a haunted house that they uh, has been used as a recording studio before, to record this 10th album, to make it something special. Dave Grohl gets possessed kills off all the rest of the members of the band, and then goes solo. That's the crux of it. Uh, it it's Like I said, it was just such a fun movie, and it had some campiness to it. It had some, it had some generally legit creepy moments. It had a plot that involved possession and demons and that sort of thing. And the... The kicker at the end was that their manager was uh, guiding them to this because they knew Dave was going to get possessed and that rock and roll needed the devil back in it to make it scary, to make it edgy, to make it the kind of music that your mom doesn't want you to listen to. Now, in this movie, uh, this is not the first time a band was possessed by this this almost Necronomicron-type uh, book that uh, that housed the evil entities. The, the band that was there before the Foo Fighters was this band Dream Widow. 
And Dave Grohl finds the lost recordings of the band Dream Widow. And that really comprises a lot of the soundtrack for that movie. And as a kind of a companion piece to this movie and their actual 10th album, Medicine at Midnight, that was released last year, uh, that was their actual 10th album. Uh, they To celebrate that, they did the movie. And then they're doing this Dream Widow project, a side project of Dave Grohl's. Uh, not much is out about it because of the untimely and sad passing of Taylor Hawkins. Everything has been kind of shut down in Foo Fighters world, in Dave Grohl's world. So we haven't really got a lot of info about this album because it was released not long before Taylor's passing. And we'll, we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later. But right now, I do want to focus on this album. So uh, as far as I'm understanding, this is essentially all Dave Grohl, or for the most part, Dave Grohl. I don't know if any of the other band members had any involvement in in creating this album but this is really kind of a passion project of Dave Grohl's because Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters they they're rockers but you know they, they've got some songs that are heavier than others Breakdown Monkey Ranch have been harder Foo Fighter songs but but they tend to lean a little more a little more poppy still rock I'm, I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan but Dave Grohl is friends with a lot of guys in the metal world. Carrie King from Slayer was in Studio 666. There's another guitarist that was on that instructional video. I know he's from somewhere. I cannot place where he's from. But these guys in Foo Fighters, especially Dave Grohl, are friends with a lot of bands that have uh, roots in the metal world. Of course, uh, Dave Grohl was a part of that project, uh, Probot, back in 2004. It was kind of a an album where he got together with some of his favorite metal singers. Kronos from Venom, uh, Max Cavalera from Sepultura, Lemmy from Motorhead, uh, the guy from Celtic Frost, uh, St. Victus. Just a ton of these guys in the world of metal and death metal and, and that sort of thing. And he put out this album with them. So Dave Grohl is, is no stranger to metal. And actually quite a fan, obviously, of the genre. So it was really cool that he decided that he wanted to put out this, this metal album under the name of this fictional band that was referenced in Studio 666. And I'm a fan of metal. I've always been a fan of metal. I, I don't get into some of the death metal and black metal and, and there's so many freaking genres of metal these days you know when i was a growing up kid you know you listen to metal and that covered everything from like anthrax and metallica and megadeth and slayer to poison cinderella and rat uh with you know bands like acdc maiden and judas priest somewhere in the middle metal was just metal now they've got so many subgenres, and everybody thinks their metal is the right metal and if you don't listen to the right metal then your metal sucks and all that bullshit uh i i don't i don't get into all that uh but i i am more of a fan of i want to I want to hear lyrics I can sing along with. I don't get into the the very growly, rah, 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 that sort of metal. Uh, not that it's not good. It's not that it's not, it doesn't have its merits. Not that musically it's not fun. Uh, I just want something like I can listen to in my car and scream along with it and not feel like I'm barking like a dog. That's just my own personal taste. But I know a lot of that sort of metal uh, was very influential in this. There was a lot of varying types of metal that were 
influential in Dave Grohl making this. I mean, everything from uh, stuff like Napalm Death. I know like Celtic Frost and Venom were huge influences on, on Dave Grohl. And, you know, he's big fans of all of them. A lot of the thrash that I love, stuff like Metallica and stuff like Testament. I, I definitely hear Testament in one of the songs, Slayer. Uh, I'm not a huge Slayer fan, but musically, uh, vocally, I'm not a big fan of Slayer. Musically, uh, I really dig Slayer. Just listening to this uh, album, you can hear a lot of influence from bands like Typo Negative. You hear a lot of influence from some of the heavier Judas Priest. Like I, I, There's one song we'll talk about I hear could have been on the Painkiller album. So just a lot of different types of metal, very well represented here. And it just seemed like a fun, fun album for Dave Grohl to do, to just get in the studio and do something so different than what he had ever done before without really paying much attention to lyric content because the lyrics are all dark and talk about evil and black souls and dark entities and all the, the all the stereotypical things that are associated with evil and metal and it's it's not done tongue-in-cheek it's not done as satire but it's done playing homage to all those you know going back to stuff like black sabbath the song black sabbath nativity in black things like that and the whole album kicks off with probably the hardest fastest heaviest most death metal i mean it sounds like a napalm death tune uh encino which uh, i i don't know what encino has to do with it but uh but because the 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 lyrics are very heavy and growly and Dave Grohl showing his heavy metal chops when it comes vocally because the guy, the guy can scream Dave Grohl. And, and my wife, uh, she's a huge Foo Fighters fan as well. She almost got, she looked like she was getting offended when I said Dave Grohl is not a great singer in the sense of great metal singers like Bruce Dickinson, Rob Halford, Joey Belladonna, guys like that. He's not a great singer, but he's a great vocalist. Uh, and I don't think you have to be a great singer to be a great vocalist. There's a lot of great vocalists out there that don't have the great range that some of the the, the better lead singers have. But but they're they're really good at what they do. They stay in their lane and and they're they're good singers in in their own right without being you know be able to hit high notes and high range and, and things like that. And I think that's Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl is a good vocalist and what he does with Foo Fighters. It fits that band. But sometimes, you know, he can get into that screamy, loud, screamy, higher range screams uh, in some of the Foo Fighters songs, like Breakdown and, and, and Monkey Wrench and stuff like that. And it really lends itself to a song like Encino and a metal album like this Dream Widow project. And uh, while it's, it's super short, it's only... It's under a minute and 40 seconds, like a minute 38, something like that in Sino. Uh, it's short, fast, it's hard. It's a punch in the face is what it is and a great way to kick off an album. You know, when I heard Dave Grohl was doing uh, a metal album, I thought, okay, it's going to just be like harder Foo Fighters stuff. And then I heard it was going to be a thrash album. And then I heard it was going to be death metal. And, you know, I heard all these 
people describing the type of metal it was going to be. And I'm like, well, they're kind of all over the place. But when I heard this album, it made sense. You can't categorize it into one genre of metal at all. But you definitely, with this first song in Sino, you know you're in for a metal album when you hear this. There's no if ands, or buts about it. You know you're in for something different. This isn't going to be just a harder Foo Fighters album. So I, I was really, uh, while it's not my style of metal, it really was kind of cool to hear Dave do this this opening track. And then we go into Cold, which probably, one. I mean, there's really not any bad songs on this, but uh, Cold, one of my favorite songs on it. Uh, it became one of my favorite songs right away. It's a very plodding heavy metal song and it's got that haunting bridge i don't want to wake up i don't want to wake up it just uh, i i like it it's got that sound of doom to it like i said very slow and plodding and heavy and a lot of that imagery that i talked about you know dave dave wasn't putting too much i, I don't want to say he wasn't putting too much thought into the lyrics because the lyrics are all coherent and cohesive it's just there's no great message in these songs it's just or, or maybe there is maybe it's all metaphor for something deeper and i just haven't grasped it but it's just all dark imagery which kind of plays into the metal thing plays into this this fictional band dream widow that uh, was a part of the studio 666 movie moving on to the next track track number three is march of the insane now this was the first single off this and and the first song i heard and i dug it because i heard this song and when people describe this as a thrash album this is the kind of stuff i thought it, it's very much thrash in the sense of like and justice for all metallica that era this is also a song that this would have fit in perfectly this is the type of song i would have expected to be off the judas priest painkiller album it's got wicked vocals like i said just speed hard hitting and very thrashy song that i i really dug this one it's one of those songs that was my favorite right off the bat but it's a song that grew on me and the more i listen to it the more i enjoy it because like i said i hear those influences of earlier metallica like a painkiller era Judas Priest where they kind of they went from being a really hard rock metal band to just a, a straight up metal band speed almost bordering on thrash during that painkiller album uh the next track track number four is the sweet abyss another song i really like on this it's got such droning verses it's just a heavy and a, a droning vocal from dave grohl and then it goes into this kind of softer melodic almost typo negative style chorus the these two songs uh, the sweet abyss and angel with severed wings both do that and, and by typo negative typo negative always did that thing where peter Steele would do these really heavy low bassy verses and then kenny hickey would come in with these like higher range kind of almost screamy haunting choruses with a bit of a like a i don't know if it's an echoey reverby effect on it and it just it reminded me of that style that typo negative did so well and made me such a fan of the band but they do that in the sweet abyss uh they do that again in angel with severed wings uh, it's got a great galloping metal sound it's, it's a little more upbeat i think than sweet abyss but it's got that great galloping metal sound that, I mean, Iron Maiden perfected that. But it goes into this kind of poppy, 
typo negative style chorus this out of all of them sounds very much like it could have been a foo fighters song like a a slightly heavier foo fighters song the verse and uh, maybe not so much but the going into the chorus especially sounded like a foo fighter chorus and that's not a bad thing I, i really dug that because it showed what different kind of side of food fighters maybe we could get in the future but i really love this song uh come all ye unfaithful was a song that uh it just to me it, it plays off like a dark twisted antithesis of the christmas carol oh come all ye faithful come all ye unfaithful is very much kind of like that it's it's a lot of imagery of heresy it's a lot of imagery i want to say this song was probably inspired by his maybe his dad because i'm pretty sure his dad was kind of a man of uh, staunch faith that kind of pushed it upon dave and didn't like when dave was going to be a rock star and uh, the, I think there was a lot of tension there. His mom being the more accepting of him uh, wanting to get into rock and roll. Now, I, I imagine this song probably had a lot of inspiration and influence uh, from his relationship with his father. I could be totally wrong on that. I could be seeing a little too much into it. But the thought of that makes it just a more interesting song to listen to the lyrics. This is one of the songs that you can really listen to the lyrics and catch a lot of things and what might be influencing it. Now, the next song on the album is called Becoming. And this song is very much, you can... You can hear the roots of Black Sabbath and Dave Grohl's love of of old school, early Black Sabbath because it's very dark. It's very, very much like I said earlier about one of the other songs, very much the sounds of doom that you would get in a lot of those classic Black Sabbath songs. Nativity in Black, like I said, uh, the song Black Sabbath, things like that. You feel that impending doom like is looming over your shoulder, this big giant horned creature waiting to, to take you to hell. That's the kind of sound of this. It's slow, it's dark, it's deep. And then much like a lot of those early Black Sabbath songs that uh, are quite long, and this is, this is a longer song. I mean, a lot of these songs on this album are a decent length, you know, three to five minutes. But this song is definitely a longer song. I think it clocks in at about seven minutes, not quite seven and a half minutes. And much like Black Sabbath songs, the longer, more epic Black Sabbath songs, it starts out with that that sound of doom, the slow plodding verses, and then it makes a movement into another section where business picks up and the tempo picks up and it kind of goes into this dun, 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 that kind of galloping metal sound that, that is so iconic with heavy metals. It started all with Black Sabbath. I mean, maybe it didn't start there, but Black Sabbath really did that well through the late 60s and, and, and through the you know, first part of the 70s. Iron Maiden and Steve Harris on bass really kind of perfected that sound and made it their signature sound that galloping bass uh they do that with this song the becoming and uh it's it's such a great song like i said it's a it's a long seven minute epic that i just enjoy and then it all wraps up with another epic song clocking in at just around 10 minutes uh just over 10 minutes i think it's about 10 minutes and 20 seconds 
Lacrimus de Ebrius. Now, I've heard this loosely translates from Latin as to God's drunken tears or the drunkard weeps for the God. But this song, if you've seen Studio 666, this is that epic song that Dave Grohl is trying to write and they never seem to finish. In the movie, uh, it was, I think, clocked in. I think they joked that it was like 40, 45 minutes long and he still wasn't done with it. In this, you only get 10 minutes, just over 10 minutes of it, but it's a lot of the score, the heavy metal score from Studio 666. And as a 10-minute song, you get a lot of movement. So there's a lot of uh, moving parts in this, a lot of different styles, much like uh, the song that uh, we heard represented in Studio 666. And it's a great song to kick back and listen to while you're doing something, uh, working or whatever. So ultimately, when it boils down to it, uh, Dream Widow, I thought, was a really good album. Uh, it surprised me how much I liked it. When I heard that Dave Grohl was doing a, a death metal album or a thrash album, I think, okay, uh, I, I don't care much for a lot of death metal, but there is some, you know, I, I, I like some of the influences that he had, like Celtic Frost and Venom, stuff like that. You know, I, I dug those guys back in the day, but I wasn't sure what I was going to think of this. And, and when I sat down and listened to it, I thought, Wow, he did a really, these are really good songs. I can't wait to hear more about uh, what went into creating this album. If it was all just Dave Grohl, if he had any help from anyone. There's not a lot of blistering solos. I mean, Dave Grohl's not a shredder. As as we saw, Steve Vai did the shredding in the Studio 666 scene where Dave's supposed to be doing some shredding. Uh, but musically, it's really good. It's really heavy. Vocally, it's like I said, it, it plays into a lot of those tropes of the quote-unquote evils of the heavy metal, and it's fun. It it's, doesn't take itself too seriously, I don't think. It's not satire. It's not done tongue-in-cheek, but it pays homage to what made heavy metal the bad boys of rock and roll back in the day, and, and I thought it was a great tribute to that. And maybe one day we'll find out a little more about what went into this album. But right now, things are kind of shut down for the Foo Fighters. Of course, Taylor Hawkins uh, passed away, the drummer for the Foo Fighters, uh, back on March 25th. And such a such a sad loss. And you could feel this felt all over the world of music and the world of rock and roll. Because this guy was, was liked by, by so many people. And unfortunately, he had his demons. He had his his problems with drugs, and and they found a lot of drugs in his system. And you know, sometimes no matter how hard you fight, uh, some people lose lose that fight to their to their demons, to their addictions. It's a shame that things didn't turn out differently for him because uh, he was such a, a talented and accomplished drummer. You know, he started his career out uh, drumming for for acts like Sass Jordan, Alanis Morissette, and then. Of course, he replaced uh, William Goldsmith in the Foo Fighters, and the rest was history because, you know, he just became a part of the Foo Fighters and was a part of a lot of those great videos that we love of the Foo Fighters where they're, you know, playing these different characters and doing these fun things. And, and he and Dave Grohl became great friends. 
best friends. I remember an interview where Dave was speaking of Hawkins, saying he was his brother from another mother, his best friend, the man for whom he would take a bullet for. I mean, I got to imagine outside of Taylor Hawkins' family, because he leaves behind a, a wife and and a couple kids, uh, Dave Grohl's got to be one of the people taking this uh, the hardest, like I said, outside of Taylor Hawkins' family. And of course, Hawkins did a lot of uh, side projects, had solo projects, he had projects where, uh, you know, he worked with other artists, and he's he's going to be greatly missed. I, I know my wife and I, we're, we're fans of the Foo Fighters. We actually had tickets to see the Foo Fighters in Pittsburgh on their, their current tour coming up later on, I believe in May. Uh, but, uh, of course, the Foo Fighters have canceled this tour, and understandably so. You know, under different circumstances, I'd probably be upset if, if uh, but, but they, you know, I, I can understand. They lost a brother. And as much as my wife has seen the Foo Fighters before, she was excited for me to get to see them for the first time. And I was excited to see them for the first time, but I, I can't blame them one bit for, for canceling things and, uh, and grieving. Like I said, the loss of a brother has got a way heavy on Dave and the guys in the band, not to mention uh, the family of Taylor Hawkins. And of course, all the friends and fans and and everyone who he's affected uh, through his life and through his music. So our thoughts and prayers go out to the Foo Fighters, uh, the family, friends, like I said, the fans and everyone affected uh, by the loss of Taylor Hawkins. He will be missed uh, in the world of rock and roll. So there you have it. That's my thoughts on the Foo Fighters side project, the Dave Grohl side project, Dream Widow. Foray into the world of heavy metal for one Dave Grohl. I hope it's not the last time we hear a heavy metal album out of Dave Grohl because I think uh, I think that was a, it's a solid album. Man, I tell you what, uh, it's got so many different genres covered. It's every song feels different from the song before, but there is some continuity between it all. Musically great, lyrically nothing too deep, but but it's it's a fun metal album. It's dark and dangerous. So I encourage, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. If you have, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I do. And if you haven't checked out our Facebook page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, I encourage everyone to check that out uh, when you're online. We're always posting trailers from movies and TV shows. Sometimes you'll get some music. Uh, I know we posted March of the Insane when that came out. Uh, you can also catch uh, different articles. We're sharing articles from all over the internet about the genres we love, horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. So check those out. And no matter where you're listening to this podcast, please take the time to subscribe, like it, share it, download it. That way you can get it first thing as soon as it comes out. And then leave a review. Five stars will be awesome. But whatever review you leave, we certainly do appreciate your feedback. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha.